Hello and welcome to this episode of the Hacker Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Jaren Swab. You can find me online as J-R-S-W-A-B. If you are new to the show, welcome. Thanks for checking it out. Please head over to hackerculture.us and sign up for the newsletter, which is basically an easy way for me to be in touch with you and give you updates on the show, etc., etc. And if you like the show, and like what I do here, this show is ad-free. In order to keep it that way, please consider supporting the show at hackerculture.us. Today we're talking about OpenBSD and how to run it on a 10-year-old laptop. Or really any tech. 10-year-old tech is what I actually use as my daily driver. You know, I do not own a laptop other than an X220, and I don't have a desktop. Um, I used to, but I have realized that I don't need it. Um, I don't stream as much stuff I used to. Everything I can do runs fine on this old laptop I've had laying around for a while. And so, if you listened a few episodes back, you'll see that I was dabbling with BSD. Um, I didn't stick with it super hard. I did switch back to into Linux. I was running uh, Arctic Linux for a while. For a, really, for a real good reason. I don't remember what the reason was I switched out of OpenBSD. But uh, I reinstalled it on my laptop again. And I've uh, been running with it. And there's a couple of things I want to talk about that I, I've found that makes running BSD just as fast as any operating system. Um, this, doesn't, this doesn't compromise any of the security features in OpenBSD. As far as I'm aware, if something does, please let me know. By, by emailing me, um, and I will update accordingly. So, first thing is the installation of OpenBSD. It's super straightforward. I mean, if you've ever done something like install Arch Linux through the command line, installing OpenBSD is going to be a walk in the park. They make it very easy to do. Um, they do have a command line option where you can actually do all the commands yourself. If you so choose to do that, they have an auto install option, which is like it'll do it all for you. Something very interesting. I've not used that, so I don't know how well it would work. Uh, but I actually have done gone through this the regular setup, the install. Uh, so when you boot up into a USB drive or a CD, it'll say um, I for install, all A for auto, and then I think S for shell. Um, you can do like a shell install, which is comparable to like what you do with an Arch Linux kind of thing. But it's very straightforward if you just use the install. Um, just like literally, just follow the prompt. Let BSD, let BSD, open BSD, do most of the work. Um, but you know, if you want to do the work, you can. Uh, something that I've actually come across that I thought was pretty easy, than um, I easier than I expected. So it comes with like Wi-Fi and networking. We're all used to clicking a little applet, we'll call it, and like typing in a password and everything. Uh, it's not it's not default on OpenBSD. You'd have to install things like that third party, and not to mention like the the amount of trouble I've had trying to get WPA supplicant to do what I wanted to do on Linux has been surprisingly difficult. Um, but on OpenBSD, you don't need to install anything. There's it comes with everything you need out of the box. It ships with a program called ifconfig, and uh, I find it super easy to use. It takes a little bit of man page reading, but Everything that you want to do with that app program is in the man page, which is kind of a, an ethos, I guess you could call it, um, of OpenBSD. Whereas if it's 
if you can't know, if you can't learn how to use a program with the man pages, man pages are incomplete. Uh, so they, they actually spend a lot of time making sure that these man pages are as complete as possible. But as a as a second overview here, to connect to a Wi-Fi connection with a laptop, uh, all you need to do is run if config. It will show you all of your hardware. So your Ethernet port would be there, wireless card would be there, and then anything else you have attached. If you have more than one Ethernet port or more than one Wi-Fi card, it'll all be there. And then all you have to do is run if config, your hardware ID, join the SSID you want to join, WPA key, and then the password for the Wi-Fi, and boom, you connect. It's pretty easy to do. Um, you can also add these. You don't have to do that every time. You can add it to the config file. So there are config files for every device on the network, on your network. Well, every networking device on your computer. And so you can add the, that almost that exact same thing to a, to a, to a config file. And um, you can have it in you have multiple joins in this file, and it will join to whichever one it finds first in the order that you specify in that config file. Pretty handy stuff. Um, if you find if you find that you can't connect to anything or the Wi-Fi is being goofy, um, plug into an Ethernet out, outlet, <laughs> plug an Ethernet cable into your Ethernet port, and uh, run fw underscore update, and uh, it should be able to download some uh, some firmware for you for your machine. Um, next I want to cover is configuring your uh, your machine here. So the one thing that I've noticed that was kind of annoying every time I booted up OpenBSD. This window that said X console on it would show up. Um, see X console window. It logs things. You know, I mean, it's kind of useful if you want to see that information. But um, I can find other places, and I don't want it popping up every time I log in my log into my computer. Uh, so in order to change that, I found that you can open up a file under uh, slash etc slash x11 slash xenomd, which is x e n o d m slash x setup underscore zero. X is capitalized there. And then anywhere you see X console, just change it to pound X console or whatever that, whatever you want to call that, the hashtag symbol. For those of you who see you have kiddos out there, um, basically you comment out that and uh, it stops. It's worked ever since. <laughs> I mean, it's not worked ever since because I turned it off. But um, that's one thing you, you might want to do if you don't want to see that every single time you, time you log into your computer, you don't want to see X console, just do that. Uh, something else you really need to do. This is a this is definitely needed for anything you want to. If you want to run, uh, if you're running sudo a lot on Linux, you're going to want to uh, edit the doas configuration file. So doas is a sudo like program, um, but they pride themselves in being more secure. So you know, OpenBSD. Um, so what you want to do is open up uh, slash etc slash doas con and you want to add a line that says permit space persist space keep env space your username. What this does is that it's saying um, it's, it's permitting your user to run do as. It's persistent, so it won't ask you for a password every single time. There's a there's a timeout, uh, a default timeout that's set. I think it's a couple, like I think it's like five minutes. Keep it keep env is keep your environment. So like all your environment variables that you have set, it will transfer over in the, into the do as command. And then username is just who you are. Um, if you drop persist, then you're gonna type type your 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 password every single time you run do as, which can get kind of old if you're running a bunch of commands back to back. So definitely keep persist in there. 
if you have a laptop like I have, you are going to want to have some cable, uh, some power management involved. This is as easy as running um, the RC CTL command. So RC is the init system that they use on OpenBSD. And to enable things and disable things is pretty straightforward. You can run RC CTL, enable EPMD. Um, don't know what that stands for. Didn't look into it. Just know that's what the command is. Um, and then you want to set flag. You want to do the same thing. So you do uh, RCCTL set APMD flags dash A. And then you can just run RCCTL start APMD. Because if you don't start it, it won't run. Um, when you enable APMD, it is it will start on every boot. But if you, unless you reboot, reboot your computer, it's not going to be running in that session. So you have to run start as well. Um, what else you want to do is you want to add yourself to the staff group. So the staff group tends to have higher resources limits than a typical user does. So to do that, it's as simple as user mat, user running the command user mod dash capital G staff and then your username. Very easy to do. Um, again, this you might need to be uh, root for this. <laughs> um, actually, you will be if you're not in a, if you're not in the root uh, users account for all of these configuration commands I'm talking about. And these tweaks, then you will have to do that, which I'm sure you'll figure that out when you start trying to do it, and it won't work. Um, then you're going to want to bump up the, the default limits for staff group. So yes, the default, the staff group, by default, has higher limits than the average user, but you still want to bump these up because they get, like, think about the modern web and how bloated it is. You kind of need a little extra juice in there. Um, OpenBSD is a very conservative platform, uh, open price system, when it comes to resources it takes from a, from a computer, uh, the taxing of the hardware, stuff like that, it's very, uh, something on purpose. Like they, they pride themselves in their security and everything. So they do, their, they do a lot to, uh, they keep things almost on the slow side, but I guess that's what it is. Um, so to change, to bump these up, you want to go to uh, slash etc slash login.conf. You'll find, a, you'll find a bunch of different things in here. Um, they're all groups. Um, you can actually have it a user too, so you can actually do this as a user. But you find look for the place that says uh, staff colon backslash, and then in that section you find a bunch of things like data size dash current dash cur which is current, data size dash max which is maximum. You want to up these up these a little bit. So like what I found was, um, or I'm running now, it seems to be pretty good. Uh, data size current is a uh, ten twenty four megabytes. Uh, data size max is 8192, max proc current at 5512, max, max proc max, that's hilarious, uh, 1024, open files current, 4096, open files max, 8192, stack size current, 32M, which is like megabytes. Um, and then you can also add ignore no login, require home, and TC equals default. Those aren't super important because, um, like, these max sizes, these current sizes and max sizes are, are what you want for like speed and stuff. Um, this is actually going to be in the show notes. So, if you want to look at the actual um, code block for that, just to head over to the show notes at hackerculture.us. Um, and something that I found so, like, this might be the this might be the number one biggest thing that you can do. This is the biggest, lowing, lowest hanging fruit to speed up OpenBSD if you find it's learning slow on your machine. Or it feels like it's lagging. So you open up a web browser and it's just like chugging along and you can't do much while a web browser is playing a video. Uh, this thing did the biggest 
impact on my computer's performance and how I expect it to operate as a laptop. Um, so this is actually with soft updates in no A time. So if you head over to slash etc slash fs tab in there, you want to add um, two words to every partition except for the swap partition. So I added, added these after the RW. So it's soft depth in no time. So an example would be the home the home partition would have um, slash home space FFS space RW comma. And then it would have no dev and then comma no SUID space one space two. So what I did for all the partitions was after RW, I added soft depth comma no time, no A time, and another comma. And uh, for all the partitions except for the swap, and it greatly improved uh, my computer's usability, I guess you could say. Because, like I said, I was like playing a video, like listening to like a podcast, or something like that on a, on a YouTube video, um, and like editing files or writing code or whatever. Uh, things just were getting sluggish, and it was uh, noticeable. But that was a big help. Awesome. Definitely do that first if you have if you have performance issues that you're dealing with. Um, and then you get to set up X, like X11, right? So what I would recommend doing is uh, downloading your preferred window manager because it comes with a window manager called CWM. And uh, unless you're into that 90s vibe, you're going to hate it. Um, it's actually a really useful manager. Um, I used it for like a couple of days while I was like fiddling around with all like, the settings and stuff. Or <laughs> if I broke DWM, I'd go, in, I'd go into, the, into root and... Uh, yeah, I have root running in CWM just because it's a default. I'm not gonna like mess with root careless. Um, so I use it. I, I do touch it. It's just kind of hilariously '90s, uh, but kind of kind of like that. You know, I kind of like that, that kind of little hits that nostalgia for me. Like growing up in the '90s, running on Windows uh, 3.1 machine, playing some like Wolfenstein 3D. Mm. It's glorious. <laughs> so that kind of that kind of that theme has a special place in my heart. But I I prefer DWM uh, by the Suckless team. And if you like window managers, tiling window managers, that is, check that out. It's pretty good. If you do want to use that, I suggest that you compile from source because if you install it via the package manager, it will be difficult, if not impossible, to up to edit the uh, configuration file. Because the configuration file is in a, conf- uh, a .h file that is used for um, C programming language, and you have to actually edit C code to change it. It's not hard C code or anything. Um, but it's not as easy as like going in editing a YAML file or something like that. For like most configurations files exist. So if you use the DWM, you're gonna have to do a little bit more work. But like if you use XFCE, just install it. And then all you have to do, like literally all you have to do to, to have that boot is go into the dot X session file under your home directory. It's a hidden file. And you'd want to uh, replace EXEC space CWM with EXCE whatever your window manager is. So in this case, it would be EXEC space FFTC, or whatever I said before that, XFCE. Yeah. Uh, use Mate, use Mate, whatever you, whatever it is that you want to use. Uh, that's, that's all you have to do. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah, and like I said, I've been I've been using uh, OpenBSD since, since 7.0 was, was, was released um, because uh, I was like, oh, the new update is like 7.0. It sounds cool and fancy let's try it out again and i'm digging it like i there's literally nothing that i can't do that i do 
<laughs> Nothing I can't do that I do. Um, yeah, so some quick resources here for you guys. These are also going to be in the show notes. Uh, it's all in the show notes. OpenBSD.org, clearly a great resource. They have a, they have a really good FAQ section with a lot of uh, you know, frequently asked questions, like, how do I do a thing? Like, turn on Wi-Fi. Well, it's in there. A lot of stuff as well. Um, I've got some things on my website uh, called C0FFEE.net. So shout out to that guy who writes that. He has a blog post called OpenBSD on a Laptop. That was a super helpful post. So, like, the whole chunk about the staff, uh, the login.conf file with, like, the staff and data size and all that stuff, like, that came from him. So, big thanks to you, man. Whoever you are out there. Um, there's a guy named Roman. I can't, I can't pronounce his last name. Last name I'm going to try, but he's a lot of OpenBSD related content on his blog. So, that link's in there. Then I also have uh, links to my dot files, uh, which are not currently ported to OpenBSD. Officially, um, it would it would work on Linux probably with like one tweak or two, but that's there for those of you who want to reference my dot files. Basically, you'll see my accessions file, and then like NVIMS like that that I use everywhere. And then I also have a repository linked here that I created uh, called Xscripts, and what this is is uh, things that I use either during my accession uh, whenever it executes things like. My Windows, or Windows, my monitors, I have it set up in a certain situation, and I have that running automatically whenever I have my computer docked, it does a certain thing, when it's not docked, it does a different thing. So I have a couple of scripts in there that I um, I have to make my life a little bit less of a constant typing and commands kind of thing. Um, and that'll be added to, well, both those, the dot files and the xscripts repositories will be added to as things change and continue. So check those out and bookmark them and whatever. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please be sure to head over to hackerculture.us and sign up so you can get updates about the show. I might be setting up some kind of forum or something because uh, people like that kind of stuff. I like that kind of stuff. So uh, join the mailing list to be a part of that. Uh, if you want to become a patron of the show, head over to hackerculture.us slash support. Um, the more people who support the show, the more reason I have to not run ads because ads suck. <laughs> Especially when your show is like, typically seven minutes long and a 30 second ad to a minute ad is a big damper on the show. Um, yeah. So thank you all for listening and remember stay nerdy.